Welcome to Legal Listening, where audio obiter is our thing. We're Carly and Zach, and we're so glad you're here with us today. Today we're bringing you a special bonus episode, brought to you in collaboration with the folks over at the Legal Writers Collective. Go on and check them out on our website or at legalwriterscollective.com. Hope you enjoy! The Queen and Mayon. Heard 7th of July, 2020, by video conference. On appeal from the sentence imposed on July 22, 2019, by Justice John D. McMahon of the Superior Court of Justice, sitting without a jury. Reasons for decision. The appellant sold large quantities of cocaine to an undercover police officer on three occasions and to a third party on a fourth occasion. Together, the transactions totaled about 3.5 kilograms of cocaine. The appellant pled guilty. He asked for a sentence of five years, and the Crown asked for a sentence of eight years. The sentencing judge observed that, despite the guilty plea having been entered in the context of an exceptionally strong Crown case, it still acted as a significant mitigating factor on sentence. The appellant's remorse was reflected in his guilty plea, as well as his apology to the court. The sentencing judge also accepted that, while on bail, the appellant had taken active steps to rehabilitate himself and had a positive family and community support in place. In further mitigation of sentence, the sentencing judge referred to the significant support that the appellant was giving to his young daughter who had health challenges. Individual deterrence did not play a significant role. At the same time, the sentencing judge observed that these were extremely serious offenses. The appellant had trafficked in quantities of cocaine at the kilogram level. The sentencing judge referred to the fact that cocaine is an inherently dangerous drug with a significant impact on end users, often resulting in lifelong health challenges or death. This case involved multiple transactions and they occurred over a lengthy period of time. The fact that the appellant was negotiating and selling at the kilogram level demonstrated an involvement beyond mere street-level trafficking. As well, the sentencing judge found that it was a profit-motivated crime. While not at the top of the hierarchy, the appellant was found to have been an active participant in the cocaine trafficking enterprise, making important decisions and sharing directly in the profits. While the appellant has a criminal record, the sentencing judge properly noted that it was dated. Accordingly, he placed no weight on it other than to mention that it was not the appellant's first time before the court. Ultimately, the sentencing judge concluded that an eight-year sentence would not be unreasonable in the circumstances. Even so, considering all of the mitigating factors at work in the case, a global sentence of seven years was imposed. Six months of credit was then assigned to reflect the time served and spent on restrictive bail conditions. On behalf of the appellant, duty counsel suggests that there are two legal errors reflected in the reasons for sentence. First, the sentencing judge is said to have erred in his application of the parity principle when he concluded as follows, quote, The principle of parity does not play a significant role in this sentencing since the other accused who pled guilty had far lesser role and lesser degree of moral culpability, end quote. The comment does not reflect an error in principle. One co-accused received a five-year sentence after trial for having been involved in the sale of a half kilogram of cocaine. While he had related criminal record and went to trial, his proven conduct was far less serious than the appellant's conduct. The other co-accused received the equivalent of a 2.5-year sentence after pleading guilty for his involvement in the sale of a half kilogram of cocaine. 
Again, the seriousness of that co-accused conduct does not match the appellant's conduct. In these circumstances, we see no error in the sentencing judge's application of the principle of parity. That principle allows for different sentences to be imposed on co-accused where the circumstances justify it. The circumstances justified it here. The sentencing judge is also said to have erred in his conclusion that, before giving some additional credit for mitigating factors, a sentence, quote, around the eight-year range, end quote, was appropriate in the circumstances of the case. In making that comment, he referred to the Queen and Bahada and the Queen and Nero. The appellant submits that these cases do not support the sentencing judge's conclusion of an, quote, around eight-year sentence. We do not agree. While Bahada involves a six-year sentence, it also involves a far lower amount of cocaine and only one incident. As for Nero, this court commented that the three cocaine-related trafficking offenses at the multiple kilogram level would have involved a sentence of about eight years. While we agree that Nero was a much different offender than the appellant, with organized crime connections and involvement in other serious offenses, the court accounted for those other matters in the global sentence imposed on all offenses. Accordingly, we see no error in the trial judge having referred to those decisions or in the observation that an approximately eight-year sentence would be in the correct range of sentence for offenses of this nature. Finally, we wish to note the appellant's submissions regarding his continued remorse for his actions and desire to become a pro-social, active, and contributing member of the community. The sentencing judge took the appellant's significant remorse into account at sentencing. All indications are that the appellant's rehabilitation efforts remain strong and reflect a genuine desire to better himself. We commend the appellant for the important steps he has taken and continues to take towards rehabilitation and meaningful reintegration into society, steps that will undoubtedly serve him very well in future. Thanks for the listen, friend. I hope you're able to enjoy that case and learn something new from it. Legal Listening is founded by Zach Battiston and Carly Lyons. It is hosted by Zach Battiston, Carly Lyons, and you, our listeners. Executive produced by Zach Battiston, Carly Lyons, and Anthony Rademeyer. Audio engineering by Anthony Rademeyer. Graphic design by Julie Lundy. Check her out online at julielundyart.com. And music done by Matt Rademeyer at radandkel.com. At Legal Listening, we're always open to new ideas, suggestions, and of course, guest readers. Check us out on Twitter at Legal Listening or online at LegalListening.com. Legal Listening, where audio obiter is our thing. We'll catch you in the next case. Bye now.